My name is Benjamin Kant, and I am the director of communities here at New City. And so uh, in line with that, I'm going to give some announcements about our community life here with the church. Now, if you have a worship folder uh, on this side, you'll see the side where it has our, our logo at the top. You'll see on the right column, it says community life. So if, if you miss anything that I hear or if I'm not perfectly clear, which is potentially likely, uh, then you can look at the community life section. You'll see all the details for the announcements. The first one that I want to bring your attention to is that today at 4.30, back here, we're going to be having a town hall meeting. Now, if you've been with us, um, we've had a pulpit committee do a search process to uh, find, identify, nominate uh, a candidate for our next senior pastor. And so the pulpit committee had a thoroughgoing process, and we want to tell you about that. And we've nominated Damian Sheeter to be the candidate for our senior pastor, and we want you to get an opportunity to hear from him a little bit about his vision for the church going forward. And so that's going to be today at 4.30 here in this building. And we invite you to come. There will be child care provided. Next is, after that uh, town hall meeting, we're going to have a follow-up congregational meeting, which will be next Sunday, at, uh, directly after the worship service. Uh, and that will be when we actually go and take this to a vote. And so if you're a member, you get to participate in that vote, and you get to have a say in voting in uh, whether or not Damien is our candidate for senior, or will be the next senior pastor. And so we really want to encourage you to be here for both the town hall and the congregational meeting. And finally, uh, we have Christmas Eve celebration coming up on December 24th. So uh, Sunday, December 24th falls on a Sunday this year, and we wanted to make something unique, something special out of that. And so we're going to be meeting at 9 a.m., and there's going to be breakfast, and there's going to be carol singing, and there's going to be a photo booth, and the City Kids Choir, and worship, and it's going to be an incredible family event for for the life of this church. So we really want to encourage you to come, and that will be at 9 a.m. on December 24th. Now, as I said before, if you, if you need any more information about that, uh, the community life section will give you uh, further information. We're going to turn our attention at this point to God's word. And, and we know that uh, God has spoken to us, and yet sometimes we don't receive his word the way that we ought. Um, Jesus talked about how there's different soils and whether or not the, the, the seed plants itself and, and takes root is dependent on the quality of that soil. And so what we're going to do is we're going to actually pray a prayer of illumination, which is essentially where we ask the Holy Spirit to till up the soil of our hearts so that as the word is read and preached, that it could find root in our, in our hearts. So if you would stand with me, and we're going to pray together this corporate prayer of illumination. Creator God, may your Holy Spirit shine your light, awakening us to your word and the living of your radiant truth through Christ our victorious Savior. Amen. Our scripture reading this morning comes from Genesis chapter 1, verses 26 through 28, and chapter 2, verses 8 through 15. Then God said, Let us make man in our image after our likeness, and let them have dominion over the fish of the sea, and over the birds of the heavens, and over the livestock, and over all the earth, and over every creeping thing that creeps on the earth. So God created man in his own image. In the image of God, he created him. Male and female, he created them, and God blessed them. And God said to them, be fruitful and multiply, 
and fill the earth and subdue it, and have dominion over the fish of the sea and over the birds of the heavens and over every living thing that moves on the earth. And the Lord God planted a garden in Eden, in the east, and there he put the man whom he had formed. And out of the ground the Lord God made to spring up every tree that is pleasant to the sight and good for food. The tree of life was in the midst of the garden, and the tree of the knowledge of good and evil. A river flowed out of Eden to water the garden, and there it divided and became four rivers. The name of the first is the Pishon. It is the one that flowed around the whole land of Havilah, where there is gold. And the gold of that land is good. Delium and onyx stone are there. The name of the second river is the Gihon. It is the one that flowed around the whole land of Cush. And the name of the third river is the Tigris, which flows east of Assyria. And the fourth river is the Euphrates. The Lord God took the man and put him in the Garden of Eden to work it and to keep it. This is God's word. Please be seated. Then I saw a new heaven and a new earth. For the first heaven and the first earth had passed away, and the sea was no more. And I saw the holy city, New Jerusalem, coming down out of heaven from God, prepared as a bride adorned for her husband. So as you may have gathered from the worship folder as well as the, the video, the, the name of our Advent series is called Dwell. And I want to point out a few things about the video. I, the verse itself will be uh, the key verse for us. It was the verse that we used to plan the entire series around, that is, all of Advent. And you see the ordinariness of day by day, the life we live putting on our jackets, driving to work, commuting. And yet in the midst of all of this is a longing. In the midst of all of this is a hope that, in fact, some of us understand where this longing will be fulfilled and some of us don't. Some of us understand but yet live our lives in ways where we seek for it to be fulfilled in other ways. And this longing that we have, that we seek in so many things, will only be satisfied in the presence of God. The Bible is very clear, in a sense, that's what this whole season is about. I wonder when we think of Christmas if we see the full picture. 
right? We see Jesus came to save his people from their sins. It's, it's probably that verse, Matthew 121, will be on some of your Christmas cards that you either send or receive, and that's a good thing. And that's right, and it's true. But why? When I was in San Diego, there was a friend of mine. He was a marine pilot. We'd hang out every Sunday night, and one night we got talking to talking about the United States military. That, that was normal. Uh, however, he said something this night that caught my attention, and since then I've, I've looked into it a little more, but he talked to me about something called the commander's intent. Right? The U.S. military has realized over the years that battle plans often become useless 10 minutes into the battle. And the reason is because the enemy never cooperates with your plans. And so once this happens, things can go into disarray. Right? If, if, if the communication tower you were relying on is taken out 10 minutes into the battle, what do you do? Well, they decided that the commander's intent would address the problem this problem, by distilling the entire battle plan into a simple statement. And that simple statement would give all the soldiers and the officers the freedom and flexibility to improvise when things got off track. So this directive helps soldiers adjust fluidly to whatever happens. Why? Because they always know what the intent of the commander is. They always know what mission accomplished looks like. Like a soldier in a battle, Christians must know the commander's intent, right? To fulfill our commander's intent, we need a compelling biblical picture, right? We need a compelling biblical picture of what the commander's intent is so that when we run into challenging situations in our life, we don't become paralyzed. When things are in chaos, we don't lose sight of what mission accomplished looks like. And the Bible gives us this picture of God's intent. And it's in Revelation 21. This picture of God's intent is God dwelling with humanity in all the earth. This has been the mission from the beginning. Be fruitful and multiply and fill the earth. Work the garden and keep it and expand my image over all of creation. See, that picture that we heard in the verse from Revelation 21, uh, at the end of Revelation, it fulfills the mission that God gave us in Genesis 1 and 2 that we just read. And the progress of this mission can be traced through the entire Bible. That is the progress of God refusing to not dwell with his people, God not giving up on his mission. And we're gonna trace that over the next couple of weeks the best we can in this short time. We're gonna trace how God continues to make provision to dwell among his people as he seeks to accomplish his mission in us and through us. So, the story of Christmas, then, is a story of mission. I heard it said recently that Jesus was a baby born with combat boots, and I like it, right? This is a mission, a rescue mission to be exact, a mission of God returning to dwell with his people and through his people to all the earth. Uh, I know that this is good news. And I, and I want to help us see that this is good news because this means the presence of God restores us our source of life and satisfaction and purpose. 
For this morning, we're going to start in the garden. Next week, we'll move to the temple. Then we'll go to the new heavens and new earth. And then on Christmas Eve, we'll talk about the incarnation. When we look this morning in the garden in Genesis 1 and 2, we see that Eden is the dwelling place of God. Eden is where God lives on earth. And Adam and Eve then were told to expand the boundaries of that dwelling place to fill the earth. And they were to start in a garden and to expand that outside the garden. We get a little glimpse of what's outside the garden in those verses you probably thought were random that Ben read, right? You get this idea of the river which starts in Eden, which flows from the very presence of God, giving life and abundance to things as it flows out of the garden to things beyond, of which Eden, or God's presence, is to expand over time as God's image bearers are fruitful and multiply and fill the earth. And so the ultimate picture of the whole earth filled with God's presence fulfills God's original intentions from the sanctuary of Eden. And I say sanctuary because it is clear Eden is the place of God's presence, and the place of God's presence is a place of worship. And so to expand that place is to expand Worship And the way that worship and mission go together is that worship fuels the mission of image bearers. And we're to multiply and to take this image all over the earth, reflecting God's glory to one another. Worship is the fuel and the end of mission. You see, that's how they go together. That's how the presence of God And the the commission that God gives Adam and Eve to fill the earth, they go together because worship is the fuel of mission and worship is the end of mission. Psalm 36 interprets this river of God's presence this way. How precious is your steadfast love, O God. The children of mankind take refuge in the shadow of your wings. They feast on the abundance of your house and you give them drink from the river of your delights. Literally, that is the river of your Edens. Because Eden means delight. Because in the presence of God is where we find delight. For with you is the fountain of life. In your light do we see light. You see, when we understand that this is the beginning of the Bible, this is to be God's end, where his presence fills the earth through his image bearers, as we relate to God as we reflect him and as we reign with him, we see now why we are creatures of longing. We've been talking about longing the whole service. This is why we are creatures of longing. We were meant to be fully satisfied, to have lives of deep purpose, because this was the intent. This was the mission and it still is, right? We can't talk about longing. We can't talk about these things I've talked about now without talking about the fact that we actually live east of Eden now. We've been put out of the garden because of our sin. And so for us, everything, our our longing for delight, our happiness, our purpose, our satisfaction are now fundamentally affected by sin. And this is nothing new, right? Remember, Genesis was written to an original audience of people who had been enslaved for hundreds of years. And then they were displaced refugees, and yet they're told, you were meant for purpose. You think only Pharaoh is the image of God, but I tell you, you, all of you, are the image of God. 
The dignity was given back to this displaced people. A purpose was, was given back to these refugees. They were to expand, expand God's presence over all of the earth. So you see, the presence of God, even now for us, a displaced people, a people fragmented, a people trying to figure out life, even for us, we still are to long for satisfaction, for fulfillment, for fullness. And we are to long for purpose. That's how we were made. And we see even us east of Eden, it's no different than Adam and Eve. It's the presence of God that is the source of our satisfaction, as well as the propellant of our purpose. And those are the two things that I wanna look at today. We are people of longing, but the only place we'll be satisfied is in the presence of God. And the only propellant for a fulfilled mission and purpose in our life will come from him as well. So first, I wanna look at this. The, the presence of God is the source of human satisfaction. We see it in the text. You get this picture of abundant life, right? The river is a beautiful picture, which we'll talk more of in a minute, of life that comes from God. But when we think about satisfaction, we realize we sacrifice to what we think will satisfy us, right? Some of us now, we're sacrificing for a certain amount of money. We're, we're sacrificing for living in a certain neighborhood or pursuing a certain career or promotion or a certain physique or reputation. And none of these are bad in and of themselves necessarily, but when these are viewed as the source of our satisfaction, they will leave you empty. And so satisfaction scripturally is happiness, it's blessedness, it's fullness, it's pleasure, it's joy. And these are the things we long for so badly. And it's no wonder why this season taps into some of these longings more than any other season does. Right? This holiday season, Advent, of course, but even going back to Thanksgiving, what is it about commercials and music and shopping and holidays that, that even if we're cynical, it still taps into this part of us and, and we're awakened to some type of longing or hope or expectation or nostalgia or something. And for some of us, we're the most cynical this time of year because we hate that it does that. We hate that so often we believed something would satisfy us, that somehow we'd get the perfect dinner party or give the perfect gift or something that would actually meet that longing. And then it didn't, and then it didn't, and then it didn't, and now we're cynical. But yet, it still comes alive in us somehow when we smell those smells and when we hear that music and when we hear that sound, whatever it is. When we drive past a certain place in our hometown, it brings up in us these longings, and they're all around us. It's no wonder that this season brings those out in us because this season taps into these deepest longings we have for love and relationship and belonging and hope and purpose and provision and second chances and a community. All of these are longed for because all of these are found in the presence of God and that's what we are made for. Not in our striving or sentimentalism, that's why you're cynical, or in our gifts we get or give to one another, true satisfaction is found in the presence of God. And that's why dwelling, wherever God dwells, is where you want to be. Wherever God dwells, you want to be there. 
Now, there are some issues with you being there as a sinful person. There are some issues with me being there as a sinful person. And that's why forgiveness of sins is a crucial part of this message, which we'll talk about a little bit later today and ongoingly. But we must regularly drink and drink deeply from the river of his delights or you will not be satisfied. Your cynicism is not going to satisfy you. Your sentimentalism is not going to quench those longings that you have. But we know in our cynicism, in our sentimentalism, in our weariness, we often seek life from entertainment, from empty relationships, from ceaseless activity, from hard work. And you know, it's mixed, isn't it? Because the reality is, is that when we work hard, we taste a little bit of satisfaction because we're meant to work hard. And even in empty relationships, if we have some type of relationship, we maybe feel a little bit of satisfaction because relationships are a good thing. So it's a mixed, it's a mixed reality. But I do know this. If you're like me, so much of our recreational activity doesn't actually recreate anything. It doesn't actually give us any type of rest. It's actually an escape. It's actually a checking out. You see, in our weariness so often, we seek life in things that will not give us life. But still, God beckons us. We're like the people of old in Jeremiah, God's people, that forsook the the river of living water and then dug cisterns that ended up being broken and filled them with water that was putrid and it leaked anyway out of the cracks. And they went back and there was no life there, only sickness, only emptiness. We're like that, but God still beckons us. And if you're thirsty this morning for life, God still beckons you. He beckons you right now. If you remember the story of Jesus speaking to that marginalized, hurting woman at the well, remember her? She was deeply longing for belonging and community. And he offered her satisfaction. He offered her life. He said to her this, everyone who drinks of this water will be thirsty again. But whoever drinks of the water that I will give him will never be thirsty again. The water that I will give him will become in him a spring of water welling up to eternal life. Does this sound familiar to you at all from the passage we read? There is a river flowing out of Eden, the very presence of God that brings abundant life. It even waters the tree of life. You see, Jesus is saying, I am making possible. If you come to me, you can drink from that river that was out of Eden. You can drink from the river of the delights that come from the presence of God. Come to me. Only the riches of soul-satisfying water can sustain you and I day in and day out. And remember what Jesus said to her. Jesus said, this water, everyone who drinks of this water will be thirsty again. Of course, he was talking there about the water from Jacob's well. But I want to ask you, what is your this water that you're drinking from that you think will satisfy you? I mean, if Jesus were here now having that conversation with you, what would you tell him 
gives you satisfaction. If he said, what do you want? If I could just wave a magic wand and you got what you want, that would satisfy you. What would it be right now? Right? You're going to go to work on Monday morning and there are things in your work life that are draining you. Some of you in this room are on the brink of breakdown emotionally, relationally, spiritually, physically. If there are more than 10 people in this room, I know there are at least two of you who are in or experiencing a tragedy. What is this water for you? And, it, and if it's the wrong answer, it's not even necessarily because you're that wicked. It could be because you're under that much temptation, that much trial, that much stress. And so what would your answer be? What is your this water right now? Because whatever your answer is, he still beckons you. If you're thirsty for life, come drink. So the presence of God is the source of our satisfaction. That's why where God dwells matters. That's why his presence matters. And then lastly this morning, I want us to see that the presence of God propels human purpose. So a propellant drives things forward, right? That's what a propellant does. And we have a couple of them we can look at. Uh, Genesis 1, 26 and 28, we see this, that God makes man in his image after his likeness so that we would have dominion over the fish of the sea and birds of the heavens and we're to go and subdue the earth. And then we look at verse 2. 15, and the Lord God took the man and put him in the Garden of Eden to work it and keep it. And this is incredible. This is priestly language. Later on in the temple, we'll see, this is the same language that the priest is told in how to take care of the temple, where the presence of God is. And this is a garden. You see, the task of human beings is to cultivate the presence of God in the earth and to keep evil from it. And that's exactly what Adam failed at doing in his priestly work. Right? The, the, the serpent comes in, he failed to keep the garden. He failed to keep the sanctuary. And we know that that's what went wrong. But before we focus on that, I want us to look at this. I want us to look at the latent potential of the world as we look. We see this this river that flows around all of this land and we see all of these, this onyx and we see gold and we see all of these resources that are there. What are they there for? Why is this in the text? They're there because we get a glimpse at what happens when God's image bearers go out into the world and cultivate this latent potential. You see, because wherever God's presence goes and God's image bearers are to take that presence to reflect it to one another as priests, to the world, wherever that goes, abundant life follows. That's why it's God's mission that his image bearers would take his presence over all of the earth because God's presence is to dwell in all of the earth. That's that great prophecy that the presence of God will cover the earth as the waters cover the sea. In other words, it will be everywhere. This is God's intent. You see, all humans 
who create are subduing the earth and participating in the cultural mandate, as it's been called. And the problem is, is when we're not pulling our motivation and endurance from the presence of God. We're taking the right structure of God's mission to be creative and to image God in a way that brings abundance to all of the latent potential in the world. But when we don't pull our motivation and endurance from God and relationship with him, we're aiming in the wrong direction. It's the right structure, it's the wrong direction. It's the right impulse, it's the wrong motivation. You see, in a broken world, oftentimes we live to find purpose and prove ourselves in our vocations instead of living out of the presence of God and blessing others in our vocations. Do you see the difference? Do you see what happens when you live in the presence of God and we pull our motivation and we find our purpose from a place of security and satisfaction? Then we get to actually love our neighbor. Then we get to reflect God to our neighbor. But the problem is, is if we need validation, if we need satisfaction in parenting, in, in work, in neighborly love, in any of these vocations that we've been called to, if we, don't, if we don't draw our power and life from the presence of God, where that satisfaction is, we will always use people. We will never be satisfied. We will always be striving, no matter what it is. And, and maybe the worst thing of all is that, remember I said image bearers relate to God, but we also reflect God's glory and image. If we're not satisfied in God, we'll start reflecting ourselves wherever we go. You see, we'll abuse our capacity of glory to reflect glory by trying to reflect ourselves instead of the Lord. Trying to make much of ourselves instead of him. It's kind of like, you know those glow-in-the-dark toys? It could be anything, anything that glows in the dark. So what if you kept a toy like uh, a, uh, we have this glow-in-the-dark, um, uh, I don't even know what kind of animal it is now. It's some critter, right? And it glows in the dark. Well, if you keep it like under the bed, which is where most of my kids' toys end up being kept, or somewhere else, but not in the light, if you take it out from underneath there and turn the lights off, it's not going to glow in the dark. Why? Because it has to be charged by the light. So if you really want it to glow brightly in the dark, whatever this is, you, have, you put it under the lamp for like two hours before you go to bed, don't you? Remember this? You put it under the lamp, the light charges it, then you turn off the light, and it just poof, light everywhere. You see, you and I are made the same way. We have this capacity to reflect glory. We have this capacity to reflect light. But in order to be charged, we have to dwell in the presence of God, which is worship. But guess what happens? It automatically pushes us to mission. True worship always leads to mission. And so you and I, we need to dwell in the presence of God so that we can fulfill our purpose of imaging him in the world to our neighbors, in our vocations, in our parenting, anywhere and anything that human beings do. Because anywhere human beings go, anything that human beings do apart from sin is meant to image God. And we need his presence in order to do this. Now, I want to point out one thing. And that is, as I was reflecting on this, 
this week, I thought about some of us, so many of us, when we think of purpose, when we think of vocation, uh, we may think of the big things. We may think of changing the world. We may think of changing the city. And God intends for all things to be changed. But I was looking at this and I was thinking, okay, so Adam was put in the garden. Start in the garden. God gives him the, this is my intent, the whole earth. Now I'm going to put you in a garden. Work it, keep it, and then expand from there. So he gives us both. I wonder, some of us, I think, may fail like Adam in the small but crucially important things. Right? You cannot... That's probably too strong. It's really hard. It's hard for me to imagine how I can reflect God. I'm sorry, yeah, reflect God to my neighbor in my service to them if I'm not doing that to my spouse. How, if I'm not cultivating the the, the closest, most important relationship God has given me, he's called me to this. If I'm not leading myself to be charged in the light of God's presence so that I can glow to the world, and if I'm not leading my wife there and then my family and then just keep going from out, how am I ever going to fulfill the purpose that God has for me with my neighbor? Now, God draws straight lines with crooked sticks. We know this. I'm not talking about perfection. I'm talking about intention. I think it wasn't laziness by Adam or fear of the big picture of this mission God gave him and Eve. It was a failure in the small but crucially important things. Keep the garden, Adam. Keep it. And he failed. So don't overlook the small things like leading yourself and your family and pursuing intentional relationships and growth. None of us will float towards holiness. None of us will float towards the light of God's presence to be charged so that we can glow during this Advent season. When everyone's looking for it, everyone is, is, is crucially aware, palpably aware of their longings. But also, don't forget the larger vision of what God is calling us to do. Some of us are really, really good and focused at cultivating the garden that we've been given, this, this small, the small, most crucially important things, and we're really good and faithful at that. But then we forget we are a conduit of Christ's life to the world. It's not just for us. We don't just turn in on ourselves and our own family and our neighbors, but we understand God's mission is taking place all over the world, and so he's calling us to both. He's calling us to both. But in order to do either, We must seek life, satisfaction, purpose, identity, belonging in his presence. Now, let's zoom back out to the beginning of the sermon. She will bear a son, and you shall call his name Jesus, for he will save his people from their sins. All this took place to fulfill what the Lord had spoken by the prophet Behold, the virgin shall conceive and bear a son, and they shall call his name Emmanuel. And of course, that means God with us. You see, because of God coming in Jesus, we don't have to live east of Eden and out of the presence of God. 
We can come into the presence of God with confidence, not perfection, not our perfection, but confidence because Jesus has made a way for us back into the presence of God. In Hebrews, the writer says, Therefore, brothers, since we have confidence to enter the holy places, remember, Eden was the holy place. Eden was where God dwelled. And now, in Jesus, we get to go back to the river of those delights. That's what he's saying. Since we have confidence to enter the holy places by the blood of Jesus, by the new and living way that he opened for us through the curtain, that is, through his flesh, And for those of you who are longing for satisfaction and purpose today, hear Jesus calling out like he did at the great festival. If anyone thirsts, let him come to me and drink. Whoever believes in me, as the scripture has said, out of his heart will flow rivers of living water. It's almost like the Bible is one book. You see, God is on a mission. Jesus is a baby born with combat boots. And he also is this this one who offers us the river of living water. And so whatever you long for, he has your satisfaction. Whatever you hope for, he fulfills your purpose. Let's pray. Father, as we begin this Advent season um, to reflect very specifically on the incarnation, we look back that it's always been your plan to dwell with your people, and you've always sought to make provision, and we're so grateful that your dwelling place, ultimately, your intent is that you will dwell on us, dwell with us on the earth, because the dwelling place of God is is with man. So as we're weary this season from a long year and um, holiday festivities and all types of things, as, we, as we're cynical, maybe because we know this is mo- supposed to be an important season, but our heart is cold, and we, we want to really reflect this year. We don't want to blow it again this year to grow in our relationship during Advent, but yet we may be hard-hearted this morning I pray that as we're about to come to the table that you will melt away those calluses, that hard heart, and help us see you, Jesus, that you require nothing but brokenness. And it's in your name we pray, amen.